You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of FoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hi, Savannah. Hey, Julie. You got a pop-up lip on you today, girl. I do. It's I'm, I'm compensating for feeling tremendously exhausted mm. and... I mean, yeah, I'm telling you that pop of color sometimes just whether it reads to everyone else that I am awake, commanding the room, that is one thing. But for me, especially because we're on Zoom and I'm I'm, I'm looking across from myself, I want to feel like I didn't just roll out of bed. No, I don't think you were because you were doing stuff this morning, if I uh, have that correct. So not... (laughs) All right, logical Lucinda, not literally rolled out of bed, but like metaphorically, you know, I didn't have the pop of lipstick at Tajay. Okay. Okay. I just put it on before entering, but yes. Well, I feel very honored that you (laughs) are doing this for us. Yes. And And the smile. And the smile. You have a beautiful smile, so. Thank you. And uh, so what did I do today? Um, Why? (laughs) By the time this episode airs. I will have already done my second TEDx. So Mm, um, last week, last week into this week, we did two virtual workshops with all the speakers and all the team members for the Emory University in Atlanta. So uh, pretty good. I mean, I did not memorize it because as you know, I typically don't memorize because I'm always tinkering with the the wording and the language and how does this flow into this other thing? And I get very focused and, you know, very mm-hmm. laser focused about it being perfect. And then once I feel it's perfect, I have like 25 minutes to actually memorize it. But it's that's not true. But just, it feels like it. It's like always last minute. But I will be spending this week tinkering just a little bit more because I did some today. But it's solid. It's in a pretty good spot. So I will start memorizing it uh, for two weeks. In two weeks, I will be in Atlanta doing this thing, getting it recorded, and then we can let everybody know what's going to come out. It is so, I'm so proud for so many reasons. It's such a big deal. And for me, that's so heavily influenced by what people think, as much as I'm trying to combat against that, the fact that you're able to do another one after the kind (laughs) of negative feedback you got only shows how your ability to rise in a creative way and your ability to kind of quiet all that noise, all those people that said all those comments about you, because you took it all in. You you really analyzed every single negative comment and you used it as fuel to create another TED Talk. So I'm really proud of that. Thank you. Of course, the, the opposite side of that coin would be the one time you don't listen to me, Savannah Hawk. Don't read the comments. And what did you do? You read all the comments. And I still read the comments on that first one. I know you do. I do. I go back in every few days to see if there's something new. And if there is a positive comment, 
I will uh, give it a like and I will actually respond as me, Savannah Hawk, mm-hmm. you know, logged in as a verified user um, because I want to let people know that their efforts to be a part of it, be an ally, be vocal is kind of the heart of what that first TEDx was all about, about being vocal, being an advocate, creating space for people like us where we can feel safe and feel heard and be visible. I want to let them know that they're important and their effort of just a few words can make all the difference. Yeah, that you hear that, that you're acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. And I think that you just getting up there and saying, you know, I'm dual gender, I'm I mean, Already, you're faced with a tremendous amount of opposition. Mm. This is kind of edgy and new. So it's expected that the mass population of people in the world are kind of just getting used to it. You may not be enough to them. And really being able to cultivate that you're enough for yourself and that you're enough for those that are willing to leave a loving comment, I think is really, it's really kind. It really is. I'm very honored to be able to do the TEDx, the first one and this one upcoming, and to get people stirred up. Like you said, it's like, you know, if people were not seeing it as controversy, then it would be old hat and there would be no reason to do it. So there, there is some value to having that push-pull and that seemingly sinister vocal negativity. But I just saw it as, hey, you know what? You do you, boo. <laughs> it's not going to affect yeah. me. And maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll see a different perspective or maybe I will, I don't know, just see it in a different way and and not try to vilify the person with the negative comment because they have a background. They have plenty of things that brought them to this moment. And that's actually what the second TEDx is about, is about not taking things upon face value, judging a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And actually, I referenced some of the comments in the first TEDx to say, you know, when they launched... These people said these things, not knowing anything about me. The second one is a sequel. (laughs) It's a sequel TEDx. And furthering that storyline of even though I gave a talk, people still either after listening to it or watching it or not even listening to it or watching it have to have their say about how I am infringing upon their freedoms and who they are. But we will see. We will see. And I just want to give one more shout out as before we go forward is um, I'm, I'm back to, to editing the book, The Young Adult Fiction. I have an amazing beta reader who, you know, is a youngin, you know, got plenty to do, has homework and all those type of things. And, uh, you know, busy social life. So they're slowly reading it through. And they have been very generous with their praise in the, in saying that it spoke to them. Mm. And the only thing I cared about in this reading was that it spoke to queer youth. Yeah. And not in the, and they said recently, not in a way that nailing the hammer, you know, on the head of the nail, like it's not so obtuse and overt that I'm pointing to it every five seconds. They say, I really did a good job in crafting a story around the ideas of queer youth and of mm-hmm. gender identity and sexual identity without making it the, the main point of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. I'm uh, so to, glad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited because that'll be out this year too. And I'm very excited to have that project moving forward too. So it's awesome. Very, very happy. You can't see it, but I am beaming right now because it's just 
you know, this is my passion. This is what makes me happy. Kind of like this podcast makes me very happy. Enough about me. Let's talk about the bigger world and what's going on in it. Let's do that. And let's get the ship back on and let's right, turn yeah, up let's, the volume. Let's, right. We I haven't done that in a while. I got, I got always got to go back to that house beat, you know. Uh, we have both individually and collectively run across this notion, and it's not new. It's not a new notion. It's kind of a, a gatekeeping kind of thing. It's kind of a where do you belong? Where do you feel you belong? What people think they should tell you where you belong? And like, what does that mean? So what I'm trying to say, long-windedly, is am I trans enough? Mm. Now, you and I have a friend that we follow, and mm. they made a post about, you know, Am I trans enough? It's like, is transness only if you exceed the 50 percentile of femininity versus masculinity or vice versa? So what defines or what describes what trans enough is? Go ahead. No, I I just want to hear what you have to say, because it's definitely something that you and I have touched upon um, several times in our podcast. And it's something that I know that many cross-dressers wrestle with in terms of where do they fit? Where do they sit at the table? And how should I identify in this world? Yeah. And I'll just point to to the, the specific example of this lovely lady had a post and ventured that question of, am I trans enough? And it boiled down to, if I don't fit into this certain mold of either what they feel being transgender means or what has been described to them as what transgender means mm-hmm. that they felt or was asking and, and kind of offering the question, when are you trans enough? Right. So you can take it both ways. You can say, am I trans enough or when am I trans enough? Mm-hmm. And uh, to my eyes, and this again, as you and I both know, has been kind of an evolution for me because I've spent a lifetime from my little wee years and single digits of age thinking, oh, I'm this transvestite person who likes to wear women's clothing and girls' clothing. And, and then flash forward to, you know, the you know teen years in high school and college and still feeling it. Not it never went away. This idea of like wanting to dress in feminine attire that never went away mm-hmm. for me. That was, I mean, I may have kept it under wraps and don't tell nobody because I learned quickly that's probably a bad idea, but it was something that was always with me. And so, not knowing any better in the late 90s, uh, late 80s, not knowing any better in the late 80s, early 90s, the only word I knew to describe myself as was a transvestite, which was at that point a tranny, which at that point had become a slur, which at that point in the early 90s was replaced by the softer moniker of crossdresser. And I'm like, ooh, that word's much softer, much nicer, and much much less stigmatized. So let me go with Mm -hmm. that. Let me go with crossdresser. And I've spent from once I declared it in the mid-90s, out loud and to certain people. And when I was going out and dressing and and making my debut as a debutante, you know, to the clubs in the city of New York. And then going forward, just constantly thinking that was who I was. That was my label. 
I am a crossdresser. And as you and I have both unpacked on several shows, what is crossdressing? You know, is it fetishized? Is it stigmatized? Is it a taboo? I do it for the bedroom. I do it because I want to transition to a woman. And this was my kind of watershed moment of recognizing that. We've we've spent lots of episodes and lots of times describing the journey. But in my journey, I've realized that crossdresser is not the thing I am, but the thing I do, as I've expressed. So crossdresser, yes, I am a crossdresser. You've said it before, right? You can be more than one thing at a time. So I am both a crossdresser because that is the action I take to don my feminine persona. My gender identity is dual gender, which is, if you are cross genders, is trans. So while I subcategorize myself under the transgender umbrella to dual gender or bi-gender or genderqueer or non-binary, a thousand terms can describe it in that way, I feel in my heart that I am trans enough, even though Savannah only brings about 12% of my week. I feel that I am certainly trans enough in the world to say with confidence, yes, I am transgender. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's a reminder also that wanting your enoughness to come from other people is, I don't know if it's a downhill, I think it's an uphill battle because you've got to really, is that the term? Uphill Mm. battle versus downhill battle. battle. It's an uphill battle because if you're feeling not enough and you're seeking outside sources, you'll never, you'll always get that confirmation that you're not enough. You'll always manifest situations and people that are confirming for you what you're seeking, which is you're not that you're not enough. You're just kind of validating that that you're mirroring that point that you you don't exactly feel enough. You won't find it in other people. You know, I, I think it's helpful that you have logic. You have a you know definition term that you can kind of hang your hat on, and um, whether or not you choose to fight other people on this, convincing them or seeking them their approval, it's dangerous, and it really has to be something that you cultivate within. Mm. And whether you need you know other people who view your worthiness to echo your worth over and over and over again, and really have your interactions be with other wholehearted individuals that see exactly who you are. That I think is different than approaching it in a fear-based way. We were like, please, please, anyone tell me my my worth because I can't find it myself. Mm -hmm. You know your worth. And then you're going to find other people to stand with you in this truth. But I, I know personally how it feels to not feel enough, to not feel like no matter what you do. And I can kind of relate this a lot to when I was little and I had a learning, I had a, what are they calling it now? I was, I am neurodiverse. Mm. Oh, sweet. Mm. <laughs> they call it neurodiverse. So my way of thinking, no matter what I did, did not feel, I did not feel smart enough by the school system that was measuring me no matter what I did. So the feedback that I would get was that I'm lazy. It would, it would be that I must not be trying hard or I must not be smart or, you know, all these external, all this, this feedback that was just kind of reiterating the point that I already felt within, but it did take others to kind of hold me up and say, look, your mind just works a little bit differently. 
you are enough, but your mind just works a little bit differently in a, in a system and school that was not meant and was not built for you. Mm. So that gives me a little bit of street cred to kind of relate to the dual gender experience, relate to the transgender experience, relate to that feeling that no matter what, you're not enough and it doesn't feel enough. Like that, that's just this constant trigger, that constant tape that's being replayed because that's what the world is teaching you. Yeah. So reaching down within and finding your worthiness is super hard. I think, especially if you've had any sort of trauma or any sort of upbringing that puts this idea on high def, mm. you know, I, I think us as humans, just humans, regardless of how we came into this world, how we identify, I think that people are constantly searching for that sense of worthiness from outside sources. It's why social media is so addicting. It's why getting a like on a post or getting a certain amount of followers, it has like a chemical surge that will give you this false sense of worth, right? And then when deep down underneath all that narcissism and all that false idea of who you are, there's a tremendous amount of shame that lives not too far underneath that inflated sense of self. And I feel being a part of this community is a constant need to remind ourselves of our worth, Mm. right? Cross-dressers or dual gender individuals, we're trying to find our place, right? So when people ask the different questions of, oh, you're, oh, so you're going to transition. Oh, no, no. Okay. So, so when people ask the questions for which we're kind of learning what it means to be transgender and all the answers we give goes against that, well, then people are just kind of left with not much information mm-hmm. and not much confidence. And it was you and I creating this podcast as hopefully one of those lifelines for people to say, well, look, you know, maybe I can't explain it that well or but listen to this, listen to what, you know, listen to this one resource or be able to use and utilize our experiences and our connection to approach their significant other and say, I am trans enough. This is why, but you really shouldn't have to prove yourself like that. It's, it's an internal thing and it's really, really tough. True. I mean, you said a lot of things and they're lots all, of stuff. They're all, and I'm going to like, pick it apart and comment because I loved it all. Yes. To learn about yourself is a self-discovery. You can't go outside for some random person on the street to tell you, yeah, you got trans enough kid. Now get out there. Do your thing. That's not how it works. But we both have said it previously that it is a part of that support system we need to find others like ourselves. So unfortunately, in these cases where you see yourself as trans, I'm a cross-dresser, I'm a male female cross-dresser, and I'm just trying to find community so I can feel supported, feel loved, feel like I belong. And then if that door is shut on you by the people who live inside because you don't fit the mold that they've defined, let's say, then you feel even more alone, more isolated because you're like, oh, I thought I was trans, but these people over here are saying, no, I'm not. That is a massive blow to somebody who is already very, very insecure about their place in the world. 
So it's only those, did all this research and I know exactly who I am. It's only in that way that you find yourself saying, no, I don't care what you say. I know I'm trans enough because I know thyself. But if you don't know yourself, it is like you said, an uphill battle to both find the community that will raise you up and be the person to speak out against those who say, no, you're not. Because everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own path. And everybody grew up in a very specific era of understanding of the labels. They may have been like, hey, you know what? I know this label. I learned it when I was uh, 20 years old in 1982. I don't need to know anything more about it because I know myself. But as we both know, you have to grow. Right. right? Every day is an evolution. Every day I learn more about myself. I realize more about myself. I realize more terms that come up and and need to be deciphered and I need to put them in a place. Again, do I say, oh yeah, transitioning women? Yes, of course. I do not put myself in that same group and I wouldn't fit in that group. But under the general transgender umbrella, we all exist. Every one of us exists. So because you carry the label of crossdresser, let's say in this argument, crossdresser should be included because crossdresser is not a definition of your transness. Your gender identity is a representation of your transness. So if you say bi, genderqueer, fluid, dual, trans, well, you're operating across genders. Boom. You're trans enough. That's the way I see it. We just all have different flavors. It is. It is. It's just so wild. So you've got the gender stuff and then you've got the sexuality stuff and there's so many different categories to that. Mm -hmm. There's just so much information. I I think at the end of the day, it's going to be more and more obvious to us that we just have to find our own definition. We literally can't ask anyone, nor can we defend it because that's a waste of time. We just have to find our truth. Mm -hmm. We just have to find what fits for us, what works. And then when it doesn't work anymore, we have the chance to throw them out and get a new pair of shoes and walk around there for (laughs) a little while, but know that while we're wearing those shoes, that is 100% our truth. Yes. And that no one can take away Let's say that they're shoes, right? We're talking shoes. No one can take away those shoes or say that those shoes are not shoes because they are shoes. I'm wearing them. I'm walking in them. And to say that they're not enough of a shoe or that they're the wrong shoe for us is just kind of silly. Mm -hmm. You and I have witnessed many different ways in which this topic has kind of come into the surface of our awareness just over the past couple of months where... We have individuals we follow that have questioned on whether or not they should remove hashtag, the hashtag crossdresser, hashtag crossdressing, all those hashtags that kind of flag like-minded community members if they should remove that because that particular term does not suit them anymore. Um, No, that's a personal decision. Right. That's a decision that has pros and cons, depending on how much it really either bothers you. I guess that's the best way to say it. Or, you know, why would you keep it? Why would you take it away? And I think one of the I I was following this particular conversation regarding this post regarding hashtags and saying, you know, I don't identify as a crossdresser, but it does help me 
get to where I am in, cur- in terms of followers and this and that. And I'm not sure. What, what do you think? People who are following me, basically, what do you think about this? And And part of what I thought about it is putting a hashtag, just like we do with our podcast, mm-hmm. and putting the different words around, you know, cross-dresser, cross-dressing, even sissy. Now, we don't identify as a show that particularly talks about sissy culture or content that much. But what it does by using that hashtag is it connects us with a community, with a, you know, born male, found femininity on some sort of part of, has some sort of identity as female, however that fits to you. But that hashtag, it it connects other like-minded folks. So when this post came out and this individual was kind of seeking different opinions on it. I know you saw it as well. And I'd love to know your personal feedback, but I said, you know, that's a way that people can locate us. Mm -hmm. That's a way that people can locate this individual that has, I'd say thousands of followers and these followers, people who have chosen to be a part of this individual's lives has really, I don't know, that's how they were clued in. So I thought it was I thought that they should keep the hashtag. Um, I agree. If you want my opinion, I agree. And I'm going to throw an anecdote in here because you and I struggled probably within the last six months about the word cross-dressing as part of our identity as a podcast, you know? And so we kind of molded over individually and collectively, you and I. And the point I think I had made that you supported was, no, even in the title, it says demystifying the feminine cross-dressing experience, which holds true whether you consider yourself a cross-dresser or not. If you consider yourself a sissy and not a cross-dresser, like you and I have the whole thing of like, well, why do we break it down? And as you mentioned earlier, we are using that term to unify all those people who do have a feminine persona in some regard, way, shape, or form, either privately or publicly, either as an advocate or just as, you know, Jane citizen. It, it just, it's a word that like people can recognize. And mm-hmm. if you're going to the Google to find something, you'll find it. And again, you don't have to fully identify and that's fine. But it's a way for people to find you because there's too many other terms out there that if we decided to use those primarily would actually divide the audience. Meaning you would get less audience because less people will say, no, I'm gender fluid. I'm not a cross-dresser. All of a sudden now you start dissecting down to the very bottom of like the most individualized terms. And that is not what we're about. We're trying to unify, as you said, trying to unify everybody who even has a notion of cross-dressing or gender diversity. That's all that matters to us. Destigmatizing it. Yeah. Make it not a trigger word, make normalizing it. At least that's our bag, man. That's, that's our, that's our gin and juice. I mean, that's why we are doing what we're doing, not to make, to take it from the kind of fetishized naughty bits experience and know that, Cross-dressing is a beautiful 
it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a beautiful galaxy of different ways people show up and express themselves, express the femininity, express the masculinity. I mean, it is a, it's a way to, like you mentioned, connect to other like-minded individuals, whether they completely fit 100% of your agenda and experience or not. And I feel like the more and more we kind of cancel, cancel culture people, cancel the word cross-dressing and just reserve it for a very small fetish part of it. I don't even know if it's very small. I just know what, what I've learned from, from knowing you, from my work at Fox and Hanger, from developing relationships with individuals is it's more complicated. There's many different facets. And I, trust me, I was that person that said, this is what cross-dressing is. There's a charge to it, a sexual charge to it. And, and still like my ignorance is not the word, but the naive way or, or the small way in which I thought this looked in which many people think that it looks is it's wrong. It's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, the fact that I met people that dress to fulfill some part of themselves that is female and not get sexually turned on. I mean, that is a major milestone, a major thing for me as a transgender educator to just that I had to throw out Mm. that I had to unlearn. I had to say, you know, that's one aspect of it, but here are some normal people, people that are fathers and someone's partner and teachers and, you know, and then, and both can be true. They could be a woman and a man and that's equally enough. And that deserves love and belonging and respect And if you want to call yourself transgender, well, that's what you're going to call yourself and how you're going to identify. And I don't want to be a gatekeeper and take that away from you or convince someone that their experience is not true and not Mm. real. Right. It's like you said, it's difficult to feel unwanted because you claim yourself as something and somebody says, no, you're not. But the opposite is also true. It's like to get into a debate and an argument about how they are wrong based on their own experiences is also not the way to go about it. And I always advocating for people to do the research, self-reflect, affirm, find your resources, whether it's you and me individually or collectively, uh, the books, your services, the podcasts, other podcasts, other resources. It's all out there for consumption. And the best way for anybody to learn anything, not necessarily regarding cross-dressing, but the best way to learn anything is for you to be passionate about learning and finding information and making your own decisions and be your own best advocate for who you are. Because nobody else should be defining who you are based on their own interpretation. Right. And you are the master of your own journey. Mm -hmm. If you have created this giant persona and work very hard to create content and have developed a giant following, you could just take a little break and not do that anymore. The world will not fall apart. Now, there may be need and pressure to make some sort of PSA, which I respect and all that, but know that... 
And I'm not even talking about you, Savannah. I'm not even talking about people that have written books or are an advocate. I'm talking about individuals who have created this larger than life persona and have found themselves depleted and exhausted and kind of lost, lost in the truth of who they are at their core. Mm. I think that social media can really, it can be harmful if, like anything, if consumed, if too much emphasis comes, too much focus, too much of your identity and awareness and your enoughness is wrapped up in what people think of what you have to say about you, sometimes we get further and further from the you Mm. who's just yours. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Because Um, everyone else is. Yeah, everybody, I mean, everybody knows thyself to a point depending on how much effort they've put into their own self-discovery and evolution and understanding. But absolutely, you should never, you know, ride the coattails of somebody else and say, I'm like them. No, you're like you. You're always going to be. Yeah. I mean, we have, that's the way our brains work. We always have to compare and categorize and try to figure things out. That's why I always impress, do your own research, figure out what the words mean, what they mean to you. Like take that description and definition of that word and say, Oh, okay. I, I can see it. Nah, it doesn't really apply to me. You make your determination. Yes, of course we want other people to collaborate and let us know, yep, you're on the right track. But at the end of the day, it's really going to boil down to how you feel about how the word fits you and how the right. definition fits you. But one of the things I want to say, and again, we keep talking about community and finding your place, which is very important. And we've mentioned that as well, self-discovery. Um, the one thing that I want to know just anecdotally is when I was in New York and I would go to these monthly private parties, there was always a certain cross-section of people who would go to the parties and then they would maybe transition or maybe their evolution and their trajectory of their, their journey would change. And next thing you know, you wouldn't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as the people who are in this case, I'll just say it as left behind, it's like, oh, whatever happened to Darla? Uh, I, ha- I haven't seen her in like a year. Oh, yeah, well, you know, she got her bottom surgery and, and you know, now she, she doesn't see herself as one of us anymore. Now, I heard that and I've seen it and I was like, oh, well, I, I guess they don't like us anymore. I took it as kind of a slam to like, well, I used to be a crossdresser and now that I've become a woman, I don't want to be affiliated with you anymore. I mean, that's how we perceive it. That's not the truth. That's just how we perceived it. And one of the things I want to impress, and I will be bringing this up in uh, all my future workshop events, is that, you know, in my second book, we talk about biology, we talk about gender identity, gender presentation, romantic and sexual attractions and pronouns. And one thing I will be Mm -hmm. adding to that in my workshops is gender perception. Mm. Because we perceive others in a certain way. And we've kind of been dancing around this conversation. It's like, well, no, you're not trans enough. No, I am trans enough. No, you're not. You don't fit this bill. Well, that is your perception. That's your self-perception. And that is your perception of others and how they present themselves. So it's such an individualized experience to try to tell somebody what they are and are not. 
Because right. unless you live a year with them and know them inside and out, know every what's under every rock and every breath, you're not going to be able to make that decision for somebody else to say, I now claim you as trans enough. That doesn't Yeah, work. no one can. No, exactly not. I think that's something that we both kind of want to get across in in ending this episode or something we want as a takeaway is you are trans enough. Mm-hmm. You are trans enough. You are. If that is how you see yourself, that is how we see you. And that is what is true, mm-hmm. is how you feel and what you know to be true. And the trans experience can look so many different ways. And I think that when we want to get validation from people who have experienced a different trans experience than ourselves, it can be really triggering for that person, especially if they lost all their male privilege, homeless, if they went through all this kind of higher stakes scenario. So I think that as we go along our path and as we try to prove our worth, I think it's really important that we're mindful and have compassion to other our other transgender sisters. I'm not trans, but my family is, you all are, and my, my tribe is. So I really feel that it's important to be compassionate for both the person who is telling you you are not enough and for yourself to kind of receive that and say, where's this information coming from? Is it coming from some transgender individual that had to compromise their entire life for this cause where I am just giving X amount. And that kind of comparison is really, really dangerous because we're both, or you both are trying to do the the best you can. And this person, just like you, we're told that they are not enough. They are not enough human to exist on this planet. There is not space for you. There is not a bathroom for you. There is not, there is not, you are not enough. You want to feel enough? Well, this whole world was set up to prove that you're not enough. So I think that we all have to be sensitive to comparing ourselves or wanting to have a discussion or clapping back to any sort of comment when someone says, you're a crossdresser, you're not trans. Now you have an option. You can wither away or you can stand up and say, thank you for sharing your opinion. That's not how I feel. Mm -hmm. I am trans enough for me and kind of educate them. But for us, you are enough, you are trans enough, and we hope as you continue on this journey in this life that you continue to find your enoughness because it's really one of those, like finding a good therapist, it's really one of those kind of quests in life that we just have to keep on practicing and keep on kind of cultivating within is our worth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've told me so many times about affirmation, daily affirmation, and whether... I feel pretty enough or whether I am masculine enough or feminine enough, doggone it. People like me. Wait, I just went down. Right yeah. But the idea that you can also affirm that you are trans enough, that is all you need to do. That is your truth. Do not let anybody gatekeep you from your truth. Sometimes gatekeeping we think is a very sinister thing that is all very malicious, but to what you said, Julie, which is super, super important. Understand the perception, understand what they have said to you, 
don't take it verbatim. Don't take it as your own experience. Just understand it as somebody else's experience. And then say, thank you. I appreciate your opinion. And thank you for telling me your story. And then you don't necessarily have to proclaim, but I'm trans enough. You don't have to say that, but you can know in your heart. It's like, okay, that was interesting to listen to. But in my heart, I know I am trans enough. And that's all that matters. But it's I, I definitely tell people, listen to stories. Listen to what other people have to say. Don't take it as your own, but educate yourself. Learn more right. what's out there. And you can have more empathy for other people. And you can be less triggered when somebody does tell you you're not trans enough because you've heard enough stories to say, oh, I can understand why they're saying that. It's not true for me, but I understand the perception and the perspective. Therefore, I can be a little more empathetic for who they are and, and not be as triggered by the just a crossdresser or not trans enough. Those are things right. I battle because I see it as a slight and we know that that's not true. I am cross-dressing enough. I am trans enough. I am beautiful enough. I'm feminine enough. And I deserve everything the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that there's so much to this topic. And I think ultimately it comes down to self-worth mm-hmm. and it come, it's, it's feeling enough. It's not for the world to educate you on your enoughness or else you'll always fall short. And it's not something that's loud and involves like, oh, you're enough, you're enough, you get a backpack, you get a trip to, it's quiet and it's internal and it's not something that comes with a lot of bells and whistles. And I think if we're seeking our enoughness on social media, it's going to be this painful, anxiety-ridden, depressed journey. We've Mm -hmm. got to pull ourselves away from that as a as our resource, as our plug in, as our, we just have to unplug and just say enough. When you put out a thread, especially when you're part of a, a vulnerable group, you're going to get a lot of opinions, a lot of harmful, violent opinions, a lot of truth, a lot of stuff that you're just kind of, a lot of chaos, I think. Mm-hmm. When all you want to do is feel like you you want to feel enough, but that's going to come from your quiet moments when you're unplugged and you're just quiet. It can't come from this entity that is social media. I agree that the venom spouted through social media can be very harmful if you're not prepared and strong enough to bear it. Yeah. So it definitely can be something that kicks you, kicks your legs out from under you. And like you said, the quietness of your self-assessment and your character and your self-worth and your self-confidence comes from within um, because validation from external sources will only take you so far. We have people around us, but it's only us. So with that said, it is so, 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 so ultra important to make sure that we do that work and we find out and recognize and realize and evolve into a state where, yeah, wow, I just realized I am enough. Yeah. And and I think for cross-dressers, it's really, it's really easy for us to get wrapped up in this external perception, this materialistic enoughness, this needing. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times a month I have some individual that's trying to seek their enoughness through my opinions about whether they pulled off this look or not. Is it enough? Do I pass? Um, do I look cis enough and needing my opinion? It's my profession. So 
It's my job to make them feel enough through external resources, clothing, or guiding them through a series of exercise that taps into their Mm self-worth. Your identity as a trans person, it's inside. Like for you, feeling enough in terms of your femininity, it comes from doing a series of steps when it comes to getting yourself ready or getting yourself to the presentation where you can feel like you are channeled into that female that you are. My entire business model is around helping trans women feel confident in their body and feel like they're presenting something in the world that is who they truly are and it's a feminine essence. But it gets really dicey, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. When your entire worth or your entire trans experience is so wrapped up in your gender expression or so wrapped up in your hotness or your, you know, passability, right? Your passability. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother subject that I yeah. think is worthy of an entire another episode because it is so hard. You have kind of two things at play how you're received by the outside world and how you're able to cultivate understanding and compassion for who you are and your enoughness inside. Yeah. Julie, as always, you are an amazing resource to me and an amazing friend. So thank you. Aw, you too. uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for being an external resource that helps me to recognize that I need to still do the work on my own. And I think that's super, super important for people like your clients. Yes, you are an external resource, but what you do for them is you just present something, ta-da, and they need to do the work to fulfill that, to embody that, to see that that works. You are a resource. You are not there saying, you are perfect just the way you are. You're just like, here's what I think would look great on you. Here's what I think you could do that would be great for you. And then they do the work. Well, they have to believe it. They have to believe they have it. They have to integrate yes. it. So mm-hmm. I can, from the moment we get to know each other, and I will keep this very, very short, I am here with love and acceptance, holding that mirror up to their best feminine self, to their female self, to the to the woman that maybe they hide away most of the time. But as soon as they meet me, that is all I tune into. That is all that I see, right? And so what happens with the magic of the work that I do is slowly and surely through outer expression, through coaching and support, the goal is always to get that kind of internal stuff to shift a little. So it's not just about the clothes, realizing that it never was about the clothes. It's just kind of tools Mm -hmm. to help redefine your worth. Yes. So this has been lovely as usual. We hope that our listeners know how enough they are to us, how worthy everyone listening is, how much we appreciate you all. We hope that you continue on this journey with us. And when can they hear a new episode, Savannah, if they wanted to know that. Well, I mean, they can listen to our entire catalog anytime they choose. (laughs) But new episodes every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, people. And please, please, please comment below, share, like. That is the only way that we can get this beautiful podcast heard about, known, and on its way to heal so many other people. Mm -hmm. So. Love you. 
Love you. And bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor. Copyright 2022. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.